freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Ward, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Oh, yes. Good morning, Brock and Salk. Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com. And don't forget the Seattle Sports app, plus all those podcast platforms. Wherever you may find us later in the day, thank you for doing so. And I hope you enjoyed the show today. If you're at the gym or running around or running errands with your family or whatever it is you've got to do today, thanks for listening. We uh, very, very, very much appreciate it. I had uh, 6 a.m. gym people, man. Well, I said I the po- that's for the podcast. Yeah, no, <laughs> okay. that was podcast okay. people. Nobody, nobody's listening live at the gym, or at least I hope not. <laughs> that sounds like a just just a too challenging for me. Uh, fun day yesterday, uh, running around, got to play in the uh, Snoqualmie uh, Casino Golf Tournament, which was a blast. Um, shout out to them, and was out at the casino last night for an event. So kind of missed the beginning of the game and was driving, got to hear all the uh, radio calls of the home runs and the huge inning that the Mariners had, which was great. And you're like, okay, 7 nothing, Hancock on the hill. This should be a pretty chill game. And you know what? It should have been. It really yeah. should have been. And it's funny. I mean, you're 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 going to end up having a conversation today about the ninth inning. We're going to end up having a conversation today about why they've let a few teams come back and why that's been a problem and, you know, all of that. It's frustrating because I feel like the reason they were in that position to begin with was a their defense and then B, you do have a bad call, but unfortunately, you got to get over that one. I'm not going to sit here and use that as an excuse, but it's too bad the way it went down, right? They The Royals made a mistake, end up touching uh, hands with the third base coach, which you can't do. Umpires miss it. You can't review it. And two pitches later, you got a home run, a grand slam, and all of a sudden, they're right back into the game again. So, yeah, I mean, that's certainly a really frustrating way for it to go down. But if I'm looking at the problem with yesterday's game, yeah, you got some walks. Yeah, you got some home runs. Yeah, the Royals came up big in a few spots, and thankfully the Mariners were able to come up big and won more than they did. But your biggest problem yesterday actually was the defense, right? Does Do we get into the situation for the Wit Grand Slam if you don't have Teo and Rojas kind of, you know, whatever happened on that little fly ball in right field? No. Well, and then that, the Rojas throw, too. And then you got the Rojas throw in the ninth inning that kind of, you know, unfortunately put Munoz behind the eight ball. Now, I want my pitchers to be able to get out of that. They could have absolutely helped them out. I'm not taking them off the hook and saying, oh, no, they were totally fine. It was just the defense. Like, everybody's got a share in that. But you got a young pitcher on the mound in in Hancock. You got to help him out. You, you just you got to help him out. Yeah. And I think I've kind of reached a point now where we are uh, whatever it is, a hundred and some odd games into this season. I kind of don't want to see Teo in right field unless we have to. Like if you've got an opportunity to get Canzone and Marlowe out there, sorry, I'd like to see Teo DHing. I just don't like him in the outfield. Now, obviously, Marlo's he made, made you nervous too. I know, but I still like it better than than Teo. Yeah, and I I gotta tell you, I I I or more. I mean, like, there's a lot of ways to do this, 
And yeah, maybe that's easier when JP Crawford gets back. Maybe that sort of helps with your rotation. But it's getting to be it's getting to be real tough for me to watch Teo in the outfit. Now he obviously made up for it yesterday. Huge game, five for five, bunch of you know bunch of runs driven in, hit a home run. You can't ask for much more than that. But you got he's just not a naturally instinctive outfield he outfielder. He's absolutely athletic enough to play out there. It's not a speed issue. It's not a body issue. He's just not good at it. Like instincts. Yeah, he just doesn't have great instincts. I mean, it happens. Right, we talk about it sometimes with wide receivers or whatever. He just doesn't have a great natural feel or read on the ball. That's okay. Let him DH. Maybe getting him off his feet would help him a little bit and allow for more days like yesterday. So it, just, it feels so bad to waste a day where Teo and Ty France are doing what you expected <sighs> of them because they have been up and down this year. And it would have been really nice after that to just coast, to just use some of the back end of the bullpen, to let Ryder Ryan go out and pitch an inning or two, to let, you know, the guys that, that to let your other guys rest. But instead, you end up having to go and bring Munoz in and let him throw, not just throw, but throw more pitches than he's ever thrown in an outing in his career. I mean, you put all those things together, and unfortunately, it puts you a little bit behind the eight ball tonight. You had to use Topa. You had to use Sacedo. You had to use. You had to use. You had to use. People always get mad at Scott for this bullpen management. Why didn't you go to this guy? Well, it's because he's also managing for the next game and the game after that as well. Why didn't he go to Sacedo in the ninth? He's trying to get through it with Munoz so that Sacedo is available for tonight because he knows Munoz isn't going to be. Unfortunately, it doesn't work out. Munoz ends up getting, you know, giving it up, and we're going to have to have a conversation about where he's at. And then you do have to bring in Sacedo anyway for the 10th. So it backfired on him. But that's the thought process, and I know people get frustrated, and I come in here, and I get to see the texts that came in during the game last night, and people want to fire Jerry, fire Scott. I mean, they won the game. Let's all take a big, collective, deep breath. And they scored another, what, 10 runs last night? They've scored 17 runs in their last two games for an offense that everybody says stinks. It's amazing how it gets better when the weather gets warmer and you play in ballparks where the ball flies out of there. Go figure. But they are starting to hit. They are starting to do some of those things that were struggles for them early. And I have a feeling the pitching is going to catch back up for them. So I'm not feeling too bad today. I will count last night as an exciting game and one that got a little more interesting than it was supposed to. But I'm not going to call it a disaster. I don't think it was, other than that you had to use more of your bullpen than you wanted to. No, I think there's been a, a lot of things to be really happy with with their play recently. But you made a good point in that some... <laughs> feels like these games have been hard fought since what like friday well that brings and, up and another just, good question the astros coming up 100 percent. so let's so let's try to figure out you know one of the reasons why and i think it's easy to discount things like this because i don't know that we always think this way especially in baseball i think there's a tendency to say okay if a guy's out you're missing his bat you're missing that okay fine we all know J.P. Crawford is out and that that's going to be an issue with their on-base percentage, right, and getting that guy on at the top of the lineup, et cetera. But you listen to Scott yesterday and think about the way they've had difficulties in these last few games. They may be missing more than just his on-base percentage in the lineup. It is a big adjustment. I think anytime you don't have your guy, so to speak, and J.P. really is, and we miss him dearly. Um, hopefully he's going to be back here by the weekend. We'll see. He's getting better. Anytime you have a core player like that that is in the middle of the field, that's been through everything we've gone through, the ups and the downs and being able to slow it down and talking to pitchers and doing all the things he does offensively, we miss him. 
things happen throughout the course of the year. Players get hurt. They get banged up. We've got to continue to fight through it. He'll be back, and he'll be as effective as he ever was. Yeah, I, I, I think what I hear there, and it's a great text here from the 206 who said the same thing basically at the same time. 206 says it's only been up and down recently because you're missing your captain. Once JP comes back, the team will look smoother again. He's there, captain of the defense. It's a good point. I would I would even submit to you that it's more than just the defense, it, which is important. It's more than just the offense and his ability to get on base and work counts and everything else JP has done, although that's important. When you're around baseball people and, and you talk to them, or, or and I've been to some dinners with Scott in the offseason or had some of those kinds of conversations with baseball people beyond just him, they often talk about the conversations that take place in the dugout, in the locker room, the clubhouse, and maybe even more importantly, out on the field, at the mound during a visit, in between plays, little bit of encouragement, little word of advice, little bit of lightening the mood, knowing when to pull each of those cards out of their bag, when to say, hey, let's all laugh here a little bit. It's going to be okay and break the silence, right? All the things you've seen in baseball movies, right? All the things from Bull Durham. There, there, some of that is based on reality. And J.P. Crawford is a leader of this team for all of those reasons. What he does in the batter's box, what he does at shortstop, what he says in the clubhouse, what he says in the in the dugout. And believe me, I've watched it. I've told the story, I don't know how many times, of watching J.P. Crawford pop up, go into the... I was sitting, I had great seats right by the dugout, thanks to our, uh, our, our partnership with the Mariners. And I heard him, man. He was as mad as Kelnick was the day he kicked that water bucket. He was furious. Heard him cursing up a storm. Minute later, that team goes on like a five-run inning. He is the first guy jumping up and down, cheering on his teammates. JP is a difference maker culturally. And to have him out for a few games, you can sit here and say, ah, they should be able to get over that. You're right, they should. Right now, he might be that little difference that helps in a double play situation, that helps keep a pitcher relaxed, that helps them set up perfectly. Those are the things that captains do. And if we're going to credit JP with everything he's done this year, I think you got to say when he's out for the first time basically in two years, yeah, it's probably going to have a little bit of effect on how they play, not just how many runs they score, et cetera. So anyway, it's a win. A win is a win. They needed it. Opportunity to get two more now against Kansas City before, as Morris said, the huge weekend series against Houston. And hopefully JP will be ready to go for this weekend. We'll come right back, give you everything you know. Oh, my God, do I have a lot of Pete Carroll sound for you guys today. I learned something about Pete yesterday that had never dawned on me in 14 years, or whatever. It's 12 years of interviewing the man. So I'll have to play you some of that sound and a whole lot more. KJ Wright is in today for the 8 o'clock hour. There's a lot going on. It's Brock and Salk. Sales Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Kind of an anything you can do, we can do better kind of a game. After the Royals blew a big lead and then finally ended up winning, the Mariners decided to blow an even bigger lead yesterday and still find a way to win. Ups and downs, twists and turns, but it was all said and done. Ty France, the hero. And the 1-1. Rojas. Swing and a well-hit ball deep down the right field line. Stay fair. It is goodbye baseball. 
Josh Rojas with his first home run of the year. His first home run as a Seattle Mariner. It's a two-run shot. And the Mariners now lead by a score of 7 to nothing. Well, that was earlier. Rojas with his first home run in a Mariner uniform. Uh, that was what put them up 7 nothing. Unfortunately, they gave all of that back. <laughs> Unbelievable. Emerson Hancock, the victim of some sloppy defense, a missed call at third base, and then gives up a Bobby Witt Jr. grand slam. Then you have Munoz melting down in the ninth, thankfully. Ty France had that clutch two-out, two-run single. Taylor Sacedo ends up finishing it off. And so the Mariners do win it 10-8. to just like you draw it up, it was just one of those crazy days. Oh, there was some awesome things offensively. Uh, you know, Teo was on it all night. Ty had a great night. Huge hit. You know, when all the momentum had switched back to them and it looked like, you know, we're on our last leg there, um, he steps up to the plate and, and a huge hit. That's Ty France. And he's been going really good the last couple of weeks. We needed every hit tonight, every home run, um, and none bigger than the final one. Okay, so there's a lot of negative energy coming out of that win last night, right? You blow a 7 nothing lead and feel like you're going to lose the game. So I absolutely understand the negative energy, and I felt it myself. I swore at the television. My kids scurried into the other room. I totally get it two things happened last night that are important one they continued to hit and especially teoscar hernandez going five for five that is not nothing that is important long term two that's the tie france we were talking about what was it yesterday two days ago the guy that really carried this team for the last couple of seasons all the clutch hits he had especially two years ago that was the tie france that we watched Going four for six in a game, hitting a home run now and again, coming up with a big hit. How many big hits? He was their clutch guy a couple of years ago. So I will, while I understand all the frustration and we're going to have to talk through the ninth inning and what you do there, there were some really positive signs that came out of yesterday. Hopefully they will continue. Unfortunately, Toronto, Houston, and Texas all win, so all you do is keep pace. Bullpen a little beat up, so Luis Castillo going to need to get deep into this game. By the way, the Royals have yet to name a starter for either tonight or tomorrow. Here's the second thing you need to know. Great news for the Seahawks. Yes, Wooden got out to a walkthrough today, which is a really big step. Now he's he's back in there, so he can practice now. When the time is right, we'll get him out there. We're not going to rush it at all. But we wanted to get get him back because he's capable of doing the, the walkthrough tempo stuff. And that's you know that's 40 minutes of, of work you know, running the defense and all that. So it's a, it's a real boost to him to get uh, to get his learning up and the, the communications and all that kind of stuff, and just to, for us to see him back out there and get get accustomed to him being uh, to start his return, it's going to be a while still, but but that's a great sign. Yeah, it certainly is. Only seven and a half months since he tore his ACL, so good news there. And could he be ready for the regular season? Listening to Pete, there, it doesn't sound like it. But don't say that to Jordan. The way I'm feeling now, I think I would. Um, where I play, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. That's the biggest thing: getting getting the conditioning and uh, getting used to, you know, 12 play drives or six play drives um, and running around in pads, getting used to that feeling again. That's going to be the biggest part. Yeah, it's pretty good. And it'd be nice to have him back out there. And it does give them a little depth at the position Brock yesterday suggested was a little thin. All of a sudden, you add him back into it with Bobby and Devin Bush and eventually Jamal Adams. And it starts to lead to a little more depth and a lot more versatility because all of those guys can play multiple positions, especially Bush and and Adams. But we've seen uh, Jordan Brooks now play both 
linebacker spots inside. So a lot of opportunities for them to uh, move some things around. It was nice to see both Derek Young and Cody Thompson return to practice yesterday as well. Devin Witherspoon making progress, but not ready to go just yet. Mike Morris going to miss a few days, and Cam Young should be ready to return next week. Here's the third thing you need to know. All right, well, since I focused on the positive a minute ago, let's go to the negative with the Mariners. What are they going to do about the ninth inning? It clearly is a sudden problem for them, for a team that really hasn't had to worry about this for, what, years now? Munoz has struggled badly in his three outings. I'm watching him pitch. His velocity is down. His slider is not sharp at all. Brash has control issues, as you know, and he melted down in his last outing. What the heck are they going to do? It is different. It's the last three outs. <laughs> and sometimes the last one's the hardest one to get. Now, the only way you get used to handling those situations, you got to be in those situations. Experience is huge in our game. And knowing that you can get through it, maybe when you don't have your, your best stuff or your sharpest command that night, but your ability to execute pitches and keep executing and keep executing until things go your way. And our guys down there certainly had the stuff to do it. Great fastballs, outstanding breaking pitches. They're one of the top 10, 15 relievers in the game. Um, and multiples. I mean, Topa's put a nice year together along with Munoz and Brash brings Inspire. So we've got plenty of firepower down there. You just got to keep executing in those spots, even in the nights where maybe it isn't that easy for you. Yeah, so I guess I would say a couple of things. One, some of this is fickle. Right now, it looks like the Mariners have a problem because Brash had a bad day and Munoz has just not looked himself recently. It's one of those situations where I won't be shocked if Scott comes in and says, eh, Munoz is going to be down for a little while, arm this, whatever, soggy arm or one of those types of things. He's just, he's throwing two, three miles, four miles per hour less, and he's not got the same sort of sharp breaking ball right now. So we'll see what happens there. That's just me and a gut feeling has nothing to do with anything I've heard or anything like that. He's maybe been overused. Uh, Certainly a possibility. Absolutely. The other thing I would note, though, is as you get late into the season, I know they're going to try six-man rotation for a little while, but once you get done with that, you got some options to add somebody else to your pen late in the game, right? Maybe it's Bryce Miller. Maybe it's Brian Wu. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but you'd be talking about two high 90s flamethrowers that you could bring in for an inning at a time. So while this does look like an issue today, I don't know whether it will be as long-term an issue as maybe it appears. That's everything you need to know, and we do it quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. All right, uh, I want to rush here because I want to make sure we have time for Pete Carroll. Uh, I learned quite a bit about this team and about even Pete, things that I had never really thought about before in all of the 10 or 12 years it is that we've been talking to Pete. So stick around. You'll hear him. And if you're not excited yet for this Seahawks season, I promise by the time he's done talking, you will be. It's next. I'm Brock and Salk. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, just waiting on Coach Carroll, who should be here in just a moment or two for our preseason chat, Brock. Been a little while since we've sat down with the coach, but of course we'll be doing it every Monday here at 9.30, following every game as we've done every year for what feels like forever. Well, with that in mind, we don't have to play a special open, so let me just uh, welcome Coach Carroll to the show. Coach? Good morning. How are you? Good. It's good to see you. Good. Nice to see you in the summertime. I know. Yeah, it's kind of a a rare opportunity to get over here. Uh, Unfortunately... 
before we get into some of the fun stuff here with football, I thought we would just start quickly with uh, the incredibly sad news yesterday about Alex Collins. We were just devastated when we heard it. Yeah, what a heartbreaker, man. Such a beautiful kid. But people don't know Alex. He had such a great spirit. He was so much fun. Loved, loved being around people, having a good time. Uh, was really a, a favorite personality in the, in the room. You know, he did all the kick dancing and amazing things that made him him. Uh, so we really do miss him. Big smile. Do you have some memories that kind of jump out to you when you think of Alex? Something you think? Oh about? yeah. Well, we we always we always love the story about him. You know, about coming out of the SEC and being such a great player. And he was so humble about it. You know, he he was. Remember his record that he had that he tied with uh, Herschel Walker. The, three straight thousand yard years we always made fun of the, the fact that he was you know he was better than Herschel and stuff like that you know <laughs> and he was really humble about it but but he was really humble but yet he was a showman because he loved doing his kick dancing or whatever whatever that stuff the called, Irish dancing Irish yeah. dancing clogs or something and he was really good at it and, and uh, anyway he was just a, a wonderful kid and missed the heck out of him you know it strikes me Pete through the years that uh, you seem to gravitate towards personality and I, I don't know if that just finds you or maybe through recruiting and through drafting and through the process that you also uh, get enamored with guys that just have that kind of charisma. Is that a, is that a fair way to look at it? Yeah, it, that's, it's true. I, I do. I, I do uh, find a special place for those guys. And I, I just think that I love showing and celebrating their uniqueness. And, and I think it adds to the color of the team and, and, and the fun of it all. But uh you know, it's just been something that has happened. You're right. We've had a bunch of, you know, unusually kind of outstanding individuals. And, and uh, so that is part of our makeup for whatever reason. I can't tell you why. Can you talk to Mike B without laughing? No, oh, I love Mike, man. He's he's just, he's hilarious. To me, he's, everything about him is funny because he, he's always looking at the world in this unique Mike B way. And, and uh, you know, to see him, did you see what he was wearing the other day? Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't even know what genre that would be from, but he, everything about him is just is just comical. Did so. you get to go back and listen to the TV tape of that? I game? did. No, yeah, of course. He's a riot. I could yeah. not stop laughing no, throughout the entire game. And Mike Rob loves him too, you know, and, and and they they just have a nice way of playing off. Him. I thought uh, Kate did a great job too. She yeah. was amazing mm-hmm. uh, doing the game and putting up with those two knuckleheads. That was really fun. I know you got your doctorate at SC now, um, but where did sartorial come from? Because I had to look that word up. <clears throat> Yeah, well, um, I heard Duffy Doherty say that one time <laughs> a million years ago. I was uh, helping out my high school coach at, at the national convention in San Francisco, and and got to meet Duffy Doherty. You know, this this big, and right off the bat, he 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 said that that statement. I've never forgot. I was seventeen years old. Wow. Someone heard that came right up. The, the epitome of sartorial you, splendor. As soon as you saw Mike B. Yeah. So let's talk about this team. Give me uh, what sort of the overall vibe takeaway from camp so far. We're rolling really. We're we're uh, we're really the the vibe is very positive and very upbeat uh it's a very competitive group they like the way that we do it you know we challenge them to compete against each other and they really are having fun with that and uh there's a mentality about that 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 generates an energy in in practice and the way we work against one another that i think really brings out the best and our best teams have been that way so uh uh, we've sent a big signal about you know developing the standard for how we operate and how we function. And these guys are, are, are they're really relishing that that opportunity. Today's Comp Wednesday for us, you know, for this week coming up, and so this is the day that highlights all of that. So we'll see if they can bring it back again. Last Wednesday was a great freaking practice, man. We were rolling, and uh, so we'll see if we can match it up again. It, but it's their willingness to to take part in the kind of the mentality of it all. Watching this team both on TV on on uh, what was it, Thursday night and also just to practice from my angle they look 
maybe a little faster and more physical and violent than we've seen the last well, few years? Well, definitely are faster. And, and uh, the, the, I mean, I, today I, I, and, and I just came out of the meeting here and I showed them uh, some of the fundamental proof of how we practiced and how it carried over to the game. And the whole emphasis last week and through preseason is running and hitting, you know, getting back to the real football mentality of it all. And, man, these guys are going. It, the speed does show up, and uh, you know that's uh, that's always a good element of, of teams. I, there's nothing I like more than a fast football team, and uh, hopefully we can keep that element, you know, showing up. And I know through the years, Pete, you've been able to gauge that with your eyes. Technology helps you out now today. Can you also say, technologically speaking, because I know you measure through GPS speeds on the field and acceleration and all the tools that you have, does this team also, through that data, measure up as, man, these guys are flying? Yeah, you must have been in our meeting. We just showed uh, uh, the guys that all hit 20 miles an hour faster in the game and, and showed – uh, you know, showed that because that's the part of the, the big element of running and hitting. And uh, we had a number of guys that were ran, ran over 20 miles an hour in the game in some some part of the their play. And so yeah, we are using that, and we are measuring. We do measure it in practice too. And so uh, it's just another way to kind of motivate them and you know jab them and sh- show them the good stuff and, and who's doing what. And you know, one of the things that you guys may not realize that that happens in these camps is I'm trying to get these guys to know each other. And so we show highlights every day, and the highlights aren't necessarily just for the play, but it's for the guys to learn who they're playing with. And so that they also not just learn who they are, but they learn to expect what they bring. And so uh, it's part of the accountability thing. You know, if it, once you show us who you are, then we can count on you being that. And, and uh, so it's a big part of what's going on here. And so that's all is that an element part of the orchestration. Of, is there an element of trust to that also? Or, hey, I see that this guy can make these highlight <coughs> plays, so I trust that if I do my job and they're going to do Precisely. their job. That, that, that is what the whole point of it is, is, is to get them to trust and, and count on the guys around them. Uh, and that's so that not only that it builds their confidence to believe in the guy next to them, but it adds to just the relationship part of it. And so uh, all of this is really important. There's a lot going on, and uh, there, there's there's some... There's a little bit of wisdom in there somewhere. I'm not quite sure, but you know, it's something about building uh, for the for the uh, the setup of the season coming up. Pete, what do those uh, catapult systems express when Kobe knocks the lights out of somebody, or Devin Bush uh, just stands somebody up? Does that all that acceleration just come to a complete stop, or how does it? I'm just kind of yeah, curious how I, that qualifies. I, don't know. I can't really tell you. I can't really explain how that works. But it, it's there is an explosion, you know, from the collisions that they measure too. That's um, it's all part of it. So there's there's a lot of metrics going on here, and, and we have a really good staff that tells us what's happening. I'm not telling you that I got it all in yet you know how to measure and, and how it you know fits but uh we have a lot of fun with it anyway and and, and uh, we showed today we showed an uh, ai uh, illustration of a, of a robot playing tennis you know so we're we're, we're just we're just trying to keep wow. on the technical oh you know that here. big day here so that leads perfectly edge. perfectly yeah. to one of that t- the text that came in or the way you want to sum it up with pete right as far as old school and- i did have a, th- a new thought about you today after Uh-oh. years of talking yeah. about how long have we been talking about pete? 14 it years feels like forever 14 uh, a new thought that I, I described you today as somebody with old school principles and new school techniques i like that does that yeah. sound right? Well, there's no doubt that I'm old school. Now, you know, I'm, I'm old. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I just referenced Duffy Doherty. You know, who knows who Duffy Doherty is? I don't know. Um, yeah, that's right. But, uh, uh, yeah, the, but the fundamentals of this game really go back to the roots of it, you know. And, and I'm, a, I'm a real fundamentalist in, in, in old school and blocking and tackling and running and hitting and all those those things. It's why we always work for balance and the things that you guys always, you know, are aggravated by. But uh, 
but then, then again, the technology of it, the, the newness of it, uh, the uniqueness of the things that we constantly are, uh, you know, competing to learn. Um, that's the other element that, that is it is part of our makeup. You know, if you don't stay curious, you know, then you, then you've lost your edge, I think. And so, uh, the curiosity really takes us in, in in the realms of what we can learn from from science as we're going. You know, and and it also helps us to protect our guys better too. I think many of us are curious where Gino goes year two. I know it's not year two in the NFL for him. It's a lot more than that. But year two, to, you know, as the starter coming in this season, uh, I guess, Pete, I'd frame it this way. What what are some things that are underappreciated? We see all the numbers, all the efficiency, all of that stuff. From your perspective, what are a couple areas that uh, that maybe Gino's a little underappreciated that can continue to take another step? I think the the – the main thing that comes to mind is his consistency. Uh, for instance, this was the day. Yesterday was the day that he comes to my office. He he has this mark from last year's calendar. And he he came on this very day last year in 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 camp to talk to me about what can I do better. What can I you know where do I need to improve? And, and uh, it was it was cute that you know he showed up and he's waiting there. He's all sweating after his workout yesterday, and he wanted to know okay what what do I need to do to get better. He is constant about that, and his constant and uh, consistency that keeps showing up, I think, is what's going to be the key to this season. You know, we're not asking him to do anything unique or special or out of the ordinary. We want him to just play the game like he, he knows how to play it. If he does that, then he's a great compliment to the rest of the club. So um, I, I think consistency is really his marker that, that, that will separate him, and I think is going to show an, another great year. Does he need to be better than he was last year no. for this team to get not to where really, it's going? Not, not really, but he, he's, he's aspiring to, of course, but... Uh, if he can, I mean, he, he led the NFL in completion percentage. He almost hit the 70 mark that we've been shooting for all these years. Um, I think he lost it in the last week of the season. But um, that's the same thing. If he can be somewhere in that area, then he will be giving us the kind of play that we need. And he looks great physically. He, he's really in great shape and ready to go again. So if you need him to essentially repeat his performance from last year, who has started to take the next step? Either rookies from last year that you see all of a sudden this year and starting to get it. Who, who should we look to to be better than they were? The the tackles for sure. And that was their first season playing in the league and and uh, and starting and all that. Th- those guys are so much more at home and at peace with what's asked of them and making their calls and technically how they they play and and using the you know the, the, the footwork that that was new to them. Maybe the the hand punch that that was new to them last year. They really seem to be in command of that. Uh, I, I think his connection with with DK and and with Tyler will will improve. I think we know each other better. Uh, and I say that he knows how to place the ball to those guys, and they're uniquely different receivers. Uh, the addition of a guy who looks like just such a, a natural with Jackson coming in, uh, I, I think, is going to be a real enhancement. You know that uh, he, he is so at home in the position and what we want to play him at. It's a great fit. So I think it's going to going to elevate us. And on the defensive side. Uh, Mafe has jumped out. You know, here is first year, second year. It's that same jump. I heard somebody talk on. Uh, I heard a clip of somebody talking about the the sophomore slump. I mean, it's, I don't. I don't have no no uh, connection to what that that thought is. One of the coaches said that. You know, guys suffering from the sophomore slump. To me, it's the sophomore jump. I mean, it's them jumping up because of all of the experiences they had. They could not relate to that thought. Mm-hmm. All of our guys are going to do. Kobe has been fantastic in practice, and he played really well in the game. Uh, uh, Kobe Bryant, I would just expect that to happen. Tariq, uh, it's we're on a, such a different level uh, with Tariq Woolen talking about how he's doing the things he's doing, seeing the things he's seeing, and so all of those guys should all elevate their game and be a big factor to help us. Pete, what was the first year you were ever calling defensive signals? 
That you were the D coordinator calling the defense. Remember what? Yeah, that was. Yeah, that would have been at uh, at the Jets. I don't know what year it was. The first year at the Jets, whatever the heck it was, coming out of the eighties. <laughs> so, somewhere back in the eighties. Do you remember the sophomore jump you took from being a play caller year one that's to a, a play point. caller year two? Yeah, it's a good point. There, there's there, that. It's it's the same. Uh, you're just so much more comfortable. You've been through all the first time experiences and they don't seem to be as overwhelming as they were, you know, and you're clearer and you're calmer and, and uh, uh, you're, I think you're quicker with your thinking and, and uh, you know, been there, done that kind of thing. And it only demonstrates how important each year is. But I think that the jump between year one and year two may be the most significant of all of them, just because you've come so far from, from so little really in essence. Yeah. So. Well, we certainly saw that with Shane, and I think Clint's going to have that same opportunity. He's also going to have Pete. I can't remember in your 14 years here, I can't remember as much versatility on the back end. I can certainly remember talent and Hall of Famers and everything else, but as far as almost positionless, and Kobe speaks to it, and Julian speaks to it, and Devin, when he's back playing nickel, like the versatility that you have on the back end of your de- defense, is this as rich as any group that you've had from yeah, a versatility yeah, by, standpoint? By far. It's not even close. You, know, you go back, Diggsy was a was a, a nickel, too, back in the day in Detroit. Uh, that play, that that the challenges of that that position carrying over to his play now you know covering receivers and all uh julian is just he's just the swiss army knife he's done everything and uh he's so comfortable and so natural and such a great communicator too he's gonna he helps guys play better around him um uh, so and kobe is really the illustration of it right now and kobe is really uh taken to playing safety uh, that's a marvelous jump he'll also be able to play corner for us when we need him to and and so to have the, all of those, uh, you know, those facets in, the, in our guys' games really is. I'm glad you noticed it because it's going to be a real, uh, real attribute. And I think uh, Devin will be another one that you will see. Devin's going to be a really good nickel. Uh, he's going to be really good because of his competitive matchups with inside receivers, uh, being able to play one-on-ones with those guys in, in, on a really high level. That plus his blitzing mentality and all, he's going to be a. a uh, a really good player for us there, and he'll he'll play just uh, you know in, in same fashion outside. But uh, the nickel thing, is, how, just how is he outside? Out. Oh, he's really good. He's just as challenging as you can get. You know, he he uh, he's quick enough, uh, fast enough. But it's really the special instincts that he has. He feels things happening before a lot of other players. There's a in, in playing DB. There's players that will play that will react to what they see, and when they they see it happen, and then they react. So they see a guy run the out route as he breaks on the out. They 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 break on it. Uh, uh, both Devin and, and Tariq also, because of his receiver background, you'll hear him say all of the time, "I could feel the the in route coming. I could tell it was a, it was going to be a quick game uh, situation." And, and he has a different level of awareness that makes him in a better position more often. And so that's why these guys are standout players, you know. And so um, fortunately, Julian Diggs for sure, Kobe Bryant, those guys are all very very instinctive players. And so. Hopefully that will give us an edge at times that will make us different. Pete, you think versatility is a byproduct of the college game a little bit where you see so much different scheme and styles and everything else. And then likewise, a little bit more speed and space. Some of the, some of the air raids, some of the tempo, some of the spread concepts that well, have come yeah, to the NFL. Right. The, the demands of the throwing game that are so, so much more like a part of the game in college, it just makes guys more experienced. They've had just had more reps, more turns. I mean, out routes and out route, you know, a slant routes, a slant route. And whatever level you're playing on, it's not that much different. So if you've had logged a bunch of opportunities, uh, there's no doubt. I, I don't know so much about the versatility because it just depends on how how uh, a staff would have played their guys. You know, because mm-hmm. you got to get those different looks. You got to line up in different spots, um, like. 
Kobe Bryant hadn't been the nickel, you know, and so he he had a lot to learn last year. Uh, Devin has been in and out some more, so he's got more background. But it just depends, I think, on where they come from. Well, how about the opportunity for you though in matchups where you've got uh, a Shanahan that has the chess pieces he has and McVeigh that moves them around and a Philadelphia that incorporated you know, like doesn't that I, I would think that that gives you more week to week opportunity with that kind of versatility to match up in maybe ways that again you haven't been able to in the past. Yeah, we, we, we will be, we will have more flexibility. There's no doubt about it. And we'll have more, um, we won't be reluctant to put, to put, uh, um, say Julian Love on a slot guy or Julian Love on, on tight ends because he's done that in his background and it's very comfortable covering different style routes and concepts and things. So we, that does give us flexibility. Hopefully, uh, if we do it well and, and the guys take advantage of that, um, we'll have a chance to, you know, to, to really do some cool things. It's, it's really fun for me now. I have as much flexibility as I could ever have uh, with, with our guys and, and moving them around and positioning and all. When Jamal gets back in there, same thing. Jamal gives us a whole different variety of things that, that a safety can do that is really fun to coach and, and all that. So uh, we're already anticipating that. I was told to ask you this question. Has Jackson dropped a pass yet in any practice? Yes. He has. Yes, he has. He I has. was told he had not. So I, he know, has. I know. I know. He, I know. There, people are saying that. I've seen him drop a couple balls. Okay. Two balls, and those were in, in running routes on air. <laughs> not. There was not when he's being defended. <laughs> not when, in any. He, his targets are. He's 100 percent target wise uh, in in team drills. Think of that. I mean, every time we throw him the ball, he's caught it, and that not no defender got in the way, no bad throw. <laughs> it's just worked out. So he's like. I don't know, 20 something for 20. Is he just sort of naturally open all the time? Well, yes. No, not all. It's naturally open. It's, it's he, he has to do it. So he goes out there and, and puts himself in the right spot, makes the right choice and the right decision. And the QBs are, are already, uh, you know, they're tuning into him. And so it's just, it's been a marvelous uh, uh, realization that the guy could come in so fast and be a factor. He'll be in first first season, I mean, first series of the first game. He'll be probably getting the football thrown to him. I got to say one of your favorite words here, but it, it really jumps out on this team is all the competition and all these different positions. I was hoping to just ask uh, about Go. where some of them are at, and specifically at outside linebacker. My God, I mean, you just mentioned Mafe and what he's done so far in year two. I can't get over Derek Hall. What does that position look like? Yeah, th- that that's about what we're missing. Uh, uh, Daryl Taylor being out there right now, but when he's there and Chenna, I mean, we don't we kind of overlook Chenna because we're looking at the young guys so much. Chenna is, is a marvelous player on the edge for us. Darryl, uh, Darryl Hall is now. He he's he's going to factor in. He's a monster of a guy physically, really fast, really got great great arm length and and his explosion. He's got a great attitude. He's tough as hell now, and and so he's going to find his way into the rotation of it. It's really it's helped Mafe too. You know, Boye has just improved his game from one year to the next, but the two of those guys are battling it. They're duking it out with, with uh, Cross and, and, and Big Abe, you know, on the edge every day and, and uh, getting better at it. Uh, Daryl uh, is the most flashy of our guys, Russian-wise, and so uh, that's a good part of it. So we're, we're excited about those guys, and some of the young guys coming up are, are pushing too. You got more competition. Go ahead, Sam. I'm sure. I mean, but we what could you pick one. How about, uh, how about center and guard? Well, the center spot, Olu's done a really good job. Unfortunately, he's had an elbow that's kind of bothered him. He's holding him back a little bit. Uh, 
but Evan has done really well. Evan Brown really showed well early on, showing great command. And it seems his experience seems to show up in his kind of you know, ownership of the spot. But Olu could, could jump in there right now and, and battle at that level too. So that's a really good spot for us. Joey, don't forget Joey Hunt. Joey Hunt is a very experienced, very well-tooled, and a tough-as-hell kid uh, in, that, in the three spot right there. So... That's a good one. Uh, at guard, uh, we probably had the most fun watching Anthony Bradford last week. If you go back and look at some of the clips there, he nailed some guys. He is physically 342 pounds last week. And remember that the guy runs five flat something, you know, 502 or something in the 40. It, his athleticism with that size shows up and makes him special. Um, Phil Haynes is playing well, playing good ball, and we love what D. Lou does on, on the other side, but that combination right in there is, is, a, is a good mix. Bradford versus Bobo in a 40. Who do we take? Oh, no, 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 is no that matter, not right? No matter what you put Bobo in competitively, he's going to do pretty good. Well, he now. seems like he does, and I'm impressed because he went to Beaumont Hill, which makes him a silver spoon guy like me. So oh, I'm impressed go. that there he's uh, that he's. I think able. His mom is a teacher there. Did you ever have his mom? I didn't go to. I went to the. I went to oh, yeah, We're, we're, oh, we're right. competitors. Oh, there Thank you. We're well, much better than my Beaumont bad. Hill. Of course, yeah. we never beat them in a single game of anything in my, my time at BNN. <laughs> but does he have a real shot at, at making this team? It sure looks like it between special teams and what he's doing. He's making his bid for it, man. He's making stuff happen uh i think the thing that's good that's good to notice he doesn't practice all the time this is not uncommon for him to go out and make a play in the game the great the great play he had in the game was really on the punt you know that was a fantastic play and timing and awareness and spatial awareness and all that really showed up right there i just can't get back to what you said 20 some minutes ago multiple guys over 20 miles an hour like not yeah. not just one guy, but multiple guys. Salt, have you ever seen somebody run on a treadmill? Like it's got to be a really souped At up twelve treadmill, miles an hour. Are you insinuating that he doesn't go into the gym? All right. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is the grief I take. I'm no, I'm saying the Woodway yeah. treadmills that go to twenty five miles an hour. He's probably right. never seen those at the gym. <laughs> Who hit 20? when you watch a human drop run twenty miles an hour on a treadmill? You wouldn't believe it, and yeah. they're doing this. In the game, who hit twenty? Yeah, Flanders was at twenty, and uh, Benji was Benji Franklin was at twenty, um, wow. and uh, somebody else was at twenty. Uh, um, then so they're they're flying now. They're flying. It's, it's exciting to see. Well, this has been fun. Give me last thing here. Uh, you, I always ask you this every uh, off season. What did you read, and and what are you trying to incorporate into your coaching this year? Um, uh, the the stuff that I'm trying to incorporate right now is about teaching. We're, we're, we're working on our teaching, you know, and, and the teaching leads to our learning because really in coaching, the teaching is as important as the learning is. Uh, so we've been working really hard conceptually. We've even come up with a couple new thoughts and things that we're, we're working, talking about dealing with issues, you know, citing issues and then uh, and then expressing issues to your team, to your players, and then practicing the issues and then and then seeing the results of those issues. So is that uh, an accountability years. thing? Yeah, it is. It is. And it's, it's uh, we're really trying to focus on the littlest of things that we can coach and teach and, and, and then take the player through a process where they have to be exposed to what they're dealing with. And then <clears throat> they see them selves practice at it and then they see that the results of it and then we come back and, and reinforce it's a really big part of a, something that's been easier to do than it used to be here? uh i don't know and i don't know if it's easier i just think a little more you know centralized focus uh really trying to get everything we can out of the coaches and in, in that exchange with the players we have a really good group and it's a group that we can take deep into their their studies of their game and so we're trying to do a really nice job of presenting that to them we got to run coach okay. this is always fun thank you it's here we go to- 
That is uh, Coach Carroll, and I uh, had a great time chatting with him yesterday. In fact, as I mentioned, I learned something that and thought about Pete in a completely new way. It backed up something that one of our big enemies is always saying. I'll talk about it with Brock coming up next. It is Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710.